0: I'm continuing the series on the 10 commandments. Today I'm going to tackle two of those 10 commandments and I want us to think this morning about rather than the do not what to do. Like do be positive. Today the focus is being content. How do we how are we how do we learn contentment? Now the two specific commandments today has to do with adultery and envy. And the two are kind of Tied together a bit. Now think about it this way. I was, well, not this way, but last week or this week, I forget, not this week, today's Sunday, Um, brain dead already. Last week I was doing my morning walk and I was listening to some classic country music and a particular song came on and the DJ sort of introduced it that you will probably know this song as soon as you hear the first note, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm just going to, some of you will know this. Some of you will go, who, who is he? Uh, the guy is Kenny Rogers. How many of you have ever heard of Kenny Rogers? No, a lot of you have heard of Kenny Rogers. And there was a song that he sang called Lucille. Some of you know the song. And the chorus goes something like this. You picked a fine time to leave me. Lucille. Now, I won't go into the song. It's irrelevant, but the the idea was that she, Lucille, was about to commit adultery. When you think about marriage, when you think about life, when you think about what we go through each and every day, in our country, and in every generation, outside of our country, in fact, since really the beginning of time, couples have looked at another person and envied that person or said, I would rather have that person rather than the one I'm married to, rather than the one I've committed to. Divorce, cheating, etc. There have been songs galore written about it. So we're going to talk about adultery today and how it relates to to envy. Now, I'm trying to take two topics that sermons could be preached on just that topic and merge these two into one. So how does this relate to envy? Envy is wanting something that you don't have. It's craving something someone else has. I did a quick search and kind of I wanted to know what the differences between men and women are when it comes to the things they want or desire. Now, men, we apparently, according to most surveys and studies that have been done, the thing we envy most is money and the things money can buy. And they're usually big-ticket items. Let's just say a bigger truck or a boat, any boat. I mean, I, I don't have a boat, but I've often looked at folks who have boats and thought, I want a boat. I've looked at motorcycles and thought, I want a motorcycle. I've seen those tricycles and say, I'd like one of those. And everybody tells me, I don't, need, I don't want one, really. But I have, at times, envied such things. And so, men, we envy, we envy certain things. Now, women, you guys do something a little different. You envy the appearance of another woman, how she looks, and how you want to be like her, or you want to have the clothing, the apparel, the the things that go along with it. And so envy is different for all of us. So I want you to think with me this morning on this idea. God really, at the heart of these two commandments, wants us to learn contentment, being content with what we have not with what we would like to trade what we have in for, or get rid of some material things for some newer, better things. So how do we learn contentment? That will be the focus of this message. So let's just dive right in to Exodus 20, verse 14, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 17. Verse number 14 simply reads this way. Do not commit adultery. That's pretty That just gets right to the point, do it. Don't commit adultery. The second commandment that I'm going to read, verse 17, do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. Now you see why we're doing these together. Don't covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female slave, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So envy in our world is a real thing. When we look at these two commandments, the Bible is very, very clear when it comes to the sanctity of marriage. So when we think about marriage and we think about what marriage is all about, we, we are living in a culture where movies and TV shows and music in particular makes it even more challenging to maintain the sanctity of the holiness of a married or a, of a marriage or of a marriage relationship because modern media talks about cheating it talks about sexual immorality it 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 just gives permission another day this morning while walking i actually i mean i had to stop the song because of the lyrics and the suggestions in the song and I'm not even going to tell you the name of the song. I don't really remember, but I don't want to remember, to be honest with you. So we, we we hear things, and we see things that lead us to have wandering eyes, wandering hearts, and wandering minds. But the Bible's clear. The Bible says that we should stay. Now, some of you are saying, well, I'm not married yet, so I'm tuning out. No, no, no. You need to listen because... This same culture applies to you today who are single. When we are single, when we are married, God wants us to be sexually pure according to Scripture, which is you do not have sexual intimacy until you get married, and then it is only with your husband or your wife. And so that is all throughout Scripture. But this is what a lack of... Intimacy does, when you are a free spirit, it robs you of your soul, it robs you of your spirit, it degrades your mind, it degrades your heart, and it it, it hurts the marriage. In other words, adultery leads people down dark paths. And so God says, do not commit adultery. Now, on the envy side of things, en- envy, some have said, is perhaps the most dangerous of all the the things we could do. Because envy lies deep within our heart. It's subtle. It's sort of a silent spiritual killer that can lurk up any time, at any moment. It it can deceive you. It can deceive me with these ideas. Well, it's not fair that you don't have that. Now, we are in the midst of a national debate about student loan debt. You may have heard about that. And the debate is you, and this is I'm using this to say, students borrowed money to go to college and to live expense to their, for their living expenses and then they got degrees in whatever and now they can't pay it back and they're strapped by all of that debt and they say the government should pay us back And then others are saying, well I did it and I paid mine back. See, that's where that fairness thing comes out. Well, it's not fair that I paid mine back and they're going to get a free ride. Now, I'm, I'm see, envy says, I want my piece of the pie. Envy says, we have misguided desires. And, and this is not just a student loan debt. This is so many things. We look at other people. And we see what they have, and we might say in our heart or our mind, if I had that or if I could get that, then I would be happier. And and yet envy misguides us into thinking that things, stuff, will make us happy and will give us contentment. But envy is actually selfishness. And so God said, in order for you to experience life as He wants you to experience it, God says, if you really want to please me, if you really want to love me and love your neighbor as yourself, I'm telling you, do not commit adultery and don't envy the things of another person. Now, here's the question. These are temptations we all may face at some point, and how then do we learn to be content? Now that's the million. It's easy for me to sit there and say, well, don't commit adultery. It's easy for me to say, don't covet your neighbor's stuff. But how do we do that? I'm going to give you some very simple things in just a few minutes. Right now, I want you to learn or not learn, but think about this. Let's focus first on the marriage. If you're not married, you may be married at some point how can you be content in your marriage? Proverbs 5, there's a section in Proverbs 5 that talks about the marriage. These verses will not be on the screen, but if you wanted to write them down, these are the two that I'm going to refer to. In Ephesians 5 verse 15, we read, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. That is verse number 15. So here's the idea, and this is not just a verse, but this is one of many verses that talks about the importance of marriage and being content. The commitment is, the emphasis is, that we drink, meaning from marriage. We have our emotional, our physical, our social, all of our needs, if you're married or will be married, it comes from your husband or your wife. Drink from your own well. A lot of people, when they're having marital troubles, will look to somebody else to fulfill those needs, and they'll begin to reason within their mind he or she would meet my needs better than the one I've got. Well, God says drink from your own well. Don't go dipping in somebody else's well. So we learn contentment by saying, I married this person, and (laughs) I'm going to drink from that well. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Now, he did say this in verse 18. Let your wife... Be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now, Ron and I have been married for almost 43 years. That's a long time. And she is an amazing woman. And I'm a pretty good dude. I'm not a perfect man. And there are moments that I know I push her a button, not intentionally. Well, okay, sometimes intentionally. But most of the time, I try not to push your buttons, because when you push your woman's button, it, there are consequences. Um, so notice what he says in Proverbs 5:18, "Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you." So here's what I'm trying to say. We need to, in our marriages, look at our husband or our wife and say, You are my fountain, my fountain of blessing. Now, you may look at your husband or wife and say, you're not much of a blessing right now. You stopped being a blessing a long time ago. I mean, you could say whatever you wanted to say, but if you really want to change and protect yourself against adultery, then you've got to say, This is the person I married. And he even says, rejoice in the wife of your youth. In other words, I married you back then. And we've been through some great times and we've been through some rough times. But today and every day going forward, I am going to find within you a fountain of blessing. You are a blessing to me. We have to say that to ourselves and remind ourselves of this. You are a fountain of blessing. And then we've got to say, I have no desire to drink from another well. Just not even on the table. Push it away. Don't look at another man or another woman and say, that person would be a better fit for me that'll get you in trouble. Now, you may be asking, well, you don't know what I have to go through, and you would be right. I don't. I don't know many of you that well. I know about you, but when you get home behind closed doors, I have no idea what your life is like. Here's what I want to say to you. If you begin to tell yourself and pray to God for this, God, I want to be loyal and faithful to my husband. I want to be loyal and faithful to my wife. God, I want to drink water from my own well, the well that you gave me. And I want my wife, I want my husband to be a fountain of blessing. Just picture this in your mind. You go to Golden Corral and they've got that chocolate you know, fountain thing flowing. And kids that have picked their nose and who knows what else go in there and pick up the fruit and dip it in and you do too. No, don't think that fountain. We're thinking a pure fountain, a fountain that will bring you immense joy and pleasure. Let your wife, let your husband be that fountain of joy and say to yourself, he is or she is. He is, she is. You may be saying, I don't know how to get there. I'm going to just throw some ideas out real quick. These are just ideas. This is not a to-do list. This is just some ideas. The first idea is this. Date each other. Keep dating. Go on a date. No kids. No kids. Just find a sitter and say, we're going to go on a date. We're going to go do something. And we're going to have fun. And we're going to enjoy it. And we're going to have fun with each other's company. And then when you go on a date, Try to act like that, well, maybe while you're actually court and date. You know when we get married and we've been married for a long time, a typical, and this is me and for me and Rhonda, a lot of our dates are, what'd you do today? How was your day? And then we talk about our work and we talk about those things. But when you're dating, looking for your wife or your husband, you don't talk about that. You talk about other stuff. We need to recapture the art of dating when we've been married for a while. That's just one idea. Another idea is to spend quality time with each other. If you've been married for any length of time, you spend time together. But it's not always quality time. You know, as we go through life, we have those moments when we individually have our successes and our failures and everything else in between. And we need to talk about what is going on deep in our heart. We need to have some time where we are spending good quality time with each other. So spend some quality time with your husband or your wife. Touch each other. That's another idea. When couples stop touching, it can lead them to envy someone else. Do you know that many workplace marriages, are not workplace marriages, but many marriages end due to workplace romances? And, and, and the reason for that is because when we stop spending quality time with each other at home, it can lead to somebody looking for somebody else to fulfill those needs. Touch each other, kiss each other, hug each other. We have to spend that quality time and touch. Now, I've, um, several years ago, and I, I don't know when it came out, this is another idea, the book Love Languages came out. How many of you have heard of the book Love Languages? Do you know what your love language is according to the, the author of the book? There's a little survey you can take if you don't. By the way, you don't have to buy the book to, if you've never done it. You can go Google love languages, Gary Smalley, click a link, click another link, and then you can take the test on your computer or your phone or your tablet. It's available all those ways. Isn't that great? So you can discover what your love language is, and the idea behind the love languages is this. You need to be loved by your husband or wife, in the language of the love language. And if you're being loved in that way, then your love gas tank won't get empty. So if you're being loved in that way, your love gas tank will be filled, and you'll be less likely to look somewhere else for it to be filled. So that's just another idea. Be kind to each other. Sometimes, In a marriage, we get comfortable. And we are kind to people at church. We're kind to people we work with. We're kind to total and complete strangers. But when we get home, we can turn off the kindness button and we can become snarky, snippy, critical. I must be hitting a a y'all. A lot of y'all are smiling right now. I'm trying not to look at anybody. You get the point? Be kind at home. Let me move on. Laugh together. When you were dating, you laughed and you enjoyed each other's company. But as we go through difficult, challenging times, Whatever that may be defined as, sickness, financial problems, stress-related problems, work issue, whatever. When we go through something difficult, we can become less happy and we laugh less at home. The home should be a place where there is a lot of laughter, where we enjoy each other's company. And then a final idea is to pray together. Pray with your husband. Pray with your wife. Pray for each other. Pray that God would help you love him or love her as God loves him or her. Pray for their faults and and ask God, God, the problems he has are so magnified right now, that's all I see. Help me not to see those things. Help me to see the good Help me to get attracted to him again or attracted to her. Help me stay attracted. Help me to touch and hug and help me, God, to love her or to love him. In other words, we pray with and for each other. Now, those are some ideas on contentment in your marriage. Let me talk just a moment about the possessions because this one can lead to marriage problems. When we have a problem with some envy, we, we have to take care of our possessions. There's a story in the New Testament that Jesus talked about. And in this story, a man stood up. This is in Luke 12. A man kind of spoke out and said, uh, excuse me, Jesus, I need you to settle a problem. The problem is this. Tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. I've been around a few years, and it's amazingly sad how often this happens. When there is a death, and stuff's being distributed, families can get ugly with each other. I mean ugly with one another. I've seen families in hospice work fight over beat up old vehicles. I mean, I mean beat up. I mean do they even work? I want that car. That's mine. And then a brother will say, it ain't yours, it's mine. And then they get in a fight over it. Here's what I want us to understand. Jesus said this. He said, beware and guard against all greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. See, and that's the trouble with envy. We look at life and we think, if I could just get that, then I'll be happier. And see, the same is true in marriage. If I had a different woman or if I had a different man, then my life would be so much better. We, we have to understand that the real value we find in life is not found in what is in our possession, but rather it's what's in our heart. Because that's the real thing that really matters. So, in order for us to fight the whole battle with envy, I want to just give you a few more ideas very quickly. The first and the f- the very first one is this: ask yourself this question: Am I going to heaven when I die? Am I going to heaven when I die? To fight envy, you need to know that you're going to heaven. That's the first step. If you don't know you're going to heaven, if you don't know that Jesus gave everything needed for you to go to heaven, and you've not received him as your Savior, you're you're never going to beat the problem of envy. So, First, you need to know, I am going to heaven when I die. And the second one is to grow in that faith. Jesus said this, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to enjoy an abundant life. And by the way, that has little to do with possessions. God will give to you. He will give to me. Every person that needs to be in my life, every need that I have, God will give me all of that as I am seeking Him and growing in my faith. So grow in your faith. Read the Bible. I mean, just read the Bible. You may say, I don't have time. Make time. Just... Just decide, I'm going to read the Bible at this time. You make that a practice in your life. You have that time set aside, and you sit down, and you read some Scripture. And then just think about it. Meditate on it. Ask a question or two. Ask God, God, how can this, what does this say to me, and is there anything I need to change? In other words, just, and you can do that in at least this many minutes. Ten. I do have, yeah, that's ten. We can do that in 10 You can do that in 10 minutes. And so ask God to help you grow in your faith. And then pray. Pray. Say, God, these are some things I'm struggling with. I really want this. But do I need it? Just ask God to help you with your problems. Grow in your faith. And see, the, the third suggestion is just to trust Jesus with what you need. We don't need everything we see. Ladies, if you're looking at someone else, another woman, and you're thinking, oh, if I just had a husband like him, you don't want him because he's not yours. You may look at another man and say, oh, if I was just better looking, God created you the way you are. You're good looking as you are. Oh, if I could just have that dress or purse, then I'd feel so much better about my life. No, you don't, you don't need that. Men, we don't need stuff to proclaim to our wife our success, our value. You know, I've, I've, men are notorious for saying things like this. I got me a big truck. Or I got, what, we just, when we go, on we brag about what, when we go fishing, we didn't catch a fish that big. We, we start out there and there there. And by the time we tell the story a hundred times, I caught a whale. He was big. The boat wouldn't hold him. He was so big. And people know you're lying. We, we had the idea that we have to exaggerate the truth for our own self-esteem. God says, look, I'm going to give you everything you need to get through this life. Just trust me to give you what you need. If we would learn to be content with what God blesses us with and with whom God has blessed us with, we're on the road to contentment. But That is a tough, difficult road at times. But here's the thing. You can do it, and I can do it, and together we can do it. And we can be an example to those around us that, hey, There's times when I struggled, but I stepped back and I sought God and God gave me what I needed. He reminded me of that truth. And then I trusted Him in what He's blessed me with. So I'm drinking from my own well. I'm rejoicing in that fountain of blessing God has blessed me with. See that double blessing there? And I am not going to want anything, anybody else has because God's all I truly need. It's not going to be easy, but just work at it. Just keep working at it. Let's pray together.